You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Thanks, that was good fun, eh? Good to play games. Wonderful. Uh, my name's Ross, uh, Ross Henson, and some of you will know me and many will not, but that's okay. Um, I have five minutes to bore you to tears, no, to give my testimony about entering mission. And uh, I could, could probably bore you to tears. I uh, grew up in a, uh, a Christian family, which was wonderful. Went to Sunday school and youth group and did all that sort of stuff early on. Had a, had a loving family. Uh, never really had a heart for mission that I can identify at uh, growing up, uh, certainly teenagehood. Uh, although I have to say mum was on the missions committee at our church, at uh, West Breen Baptist Church over in the northern suburbs. And uh, she used to be a seamstress. She sewed dresses. And she used to put together parcels for missionaries. And she used to sew calico around them. She used to sew them up so that they would get there uh, to the people, the missionaries that needed them. So it was a very, very first... I think, identification with mission. The second one was uh, Dad was involved in uh, also in the mission um, committee and his role was fundraising. Now, in the old days, we used to deliver telephone books and our church had a contract with Australia Post or PMG to actually deliver yellow pages and white pages. Now, many of you will not know what a telephone book looks like. But in the old days, they were great big things. Now you use your phone. So Dad used to raise funds for the, the church, for, for missionaries, for particularly cross-cultural missionaries. Um, so moving very, very quickly, uh, I didn't really have a heart for mission at that point. But um, following employment with a bank after I finished university. I did a commerce undergraduate degree at Melbourne University. As soon as I got out of so high school, uni, straight into work after that, worked with a bank called the Commercial Bank of Australia Limited. Based in Melbourne, it doesn't exist anymore. It merged with the Bank of New South Wales to become Westpac. I was climbing the career ladder. I ended up in Sydney as part of the merger team. Back in the early 80s, married Heather, and uh, some of the rest of that is history. But uh, I managed to get on to some program they called XDEV for executive development. So as part of that, they wanted to give me accelerated training so that I'll end up right at the top of the bank somewhere in the course of some time. Now, being on XDEV was terrific. Uh, they put me through a, an MBA, a Master of Business Administration, two years, full-time, paid scholarship, which is really, really good. And, uh, and then we ended up leaving Sydney and coming back to Melbourne, ostensibly for me to manage a, a Westpac branch and then join the commercial business unit. At that point, my focus was definitely on myself. I, I can admit it to you, and I want to be really, really honest tonight. My focus was on myself and climbing a corporate ladder. Now, the problem with that is when you climb a corporate ladder, there's nothing at the top. So don't do it if you can avoid it. But something after the MBA, I, I remember talking to God about my future. 
our future. And um, we had a, a couple of things uh, happen. We moved back to Melbourne. I got really, really sick. We came back in 1988 and started to come to Eltham Baptist uh, early in uh, 1988. And uh, around about six, seven months later, I actually got this mystery illness. And I don't know, well, to this day, the doctor called it a glandular fever, a type of glandular fever. And God really got my attention on this because you know why? I couldn't work. I had three months off because I couldn't work. And gradually, I had to go back a day a week and then a couple of days a week. And that was wonderful thinking time. And during that time, and I remember Heather encouraging me, because God had got my attention, to go to a Wycliffe Open Day. I think it was called a Discovery Day. I'm not too sure whether they still have them. But I went along to Kangaroo Ground, living at Eltham. I had time on my hands because I was still recovering. And I looked around up there and they had various stands. And there were people talking about aviation, you know, aero skills mechanical as well as flying. I thought, wow, this is amazing. MAF, you know, pilots that are involved with, with Whitcliffe and all the rest of it. And I looked around and thought, wow, there's accountants that actually go overseas too. And there's engineers and there's all sorts of other people. I'm going, Lord, you use ordinary people, don't you? And that was a discussion, a continuing discussion that I had at that point. You see, my background in terms of our church environment, the, the pastor of West Breen Baptist was Bob Williams. Bob and Gwen spent significant time in Papua New Guinea as missionaries. And I always had this impression that missionaries were these super spiritual people. And I have to tell you that that's not me. But God was able to transform my thinking and my heart away from what I thought career was really, really important, making money was really, really important. And that's not the case now. So it's like flicking a switch. And in that period of time, Heather and I, we sat down, we prayed about what I'd seen, and I said, you know what, I can use the gifts and skills that God has given me for his purposes and not my own. And that changed my life. It really did. And we prayed about it. And then uh, we wrote to eight different mission agencies and uh, ABMS, now called GIA, picked us up to be involved in this uh, Australian government-funded primary healthcare project. So we spent three years in Papua New Guinea and a total of five years with ABMS. Um, so we obviously learnt a lot, a lot about culture in those times too, but more about what did we learn about ourselves? We went through some really, really hard times in Papua New Guinea. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy in the team that we worked with. It wasn't e easy with hostility of uh, some of the worst tribal fighting in 50 years and being held up at gunpoint and everything else that happened at that, at that stage. But God preserved us. And I can, I can tell you it's made it a lot easier now to accept a second and now a third missionary journey as we, we start to consider Greece. So that's a little bit about my background. Obviously, there's a lot of other stuff I could say, but if you're prepared to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, he can flick a switch in you. He can use ordinary people and I can give testimony to that. That's all I am, an ordinary person who's prepared to be surrendered. God looks for obedience, 
not performance. And that was a huge mindset shift in what I'd been taught and what I learned through, through various uh, aspects of growing up. So thanks for listening. Hopefully that's helpful and I'll just hand over to Rowan. Great entrance. <laughs> Never done that before. <laughs> For your benefit. <laughs> God shows up. He showed up in Peter's life, didn't he, and Cornelius's. Has he shown up in yours? As he did in Acts 10. Does he, has he drastically changed the direction of your life and your perspectives like he did for Ross? like he's done for me. Perhaps he's shown up, but in little less dramatic um, fashion. And perhaps he's shown up, but you weren't listening. And perhaps you didn't want to listen either. I'd like to share our story, my story, about how we got involved with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And yes, we didn't know God used all those different people either, Ross, until we got into Wycliffe. God's changed my life's direction dramatically six, way, uh, six times in my life. First, obviously, when I was nine years old and I became a Christian. Second, Rachel walked into my life. And that's a whole other story. And then in 1990, we had everything I'd worked for. I was a farmer by trade, nothing official. Um, no bit of paper to say I'm qualified for anything. Um, We'll get more back to that, hopefully. Um, but we just bought a farm 12 months before and I decided to walk away from the farm. And it was a family business. Then in 1995, I'd uh, been in the workforce force for nearly five years. And um, following God's direction, we, well, I resigned from my job and we pursued a, a task in Christian camping. Uh, was by faith, trusting God to provide for our needs, um, working on a Christian campsite. And then in mid-1997, we moved back into the general workforce, leaving the campsite. And then it took a while. We, um, we got through to 2006 and God showed up again. Rachel and I at this time were seeking God as to if and where we might serve him at the end of, well, at the beginning of 2008, after our youngest had finished year 12 and our two oldest sons had finished university. And this willingness um, has been a work in progress. From 1990 onwards, God prepared my heart through challenges like, you need to allow God to take control of your life. That was in a church service one night and the guy said, there's still a male here that hasn't come forward. I never went forward, but had the desired effect. In Isaiah 55 verse 2 we read, Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? God changed my perspectives. Some, Fred, some friends shared with us that we need to take active, active steps um, to find out if we're, we think God's leading us is right or not. Don't just wait for him to tap you on the shoulder and say go. Another advised us that when it comes to serving God, we should go for it 
and allow him to close the doors if it's not right for us. And he also commented that God doesn't always give you what you want, but he gives you what you need or what he needs you for. So in early 2006, we began looking at options and we actually visited the Wycliffe Centre at Kangaroo Ground, but we couldn't see ourselves serving as Bible translators. Then in May, we were talking about possible directions, Rachel and I, and Rachel said to me, what about Treetops Lodge, which is a motel uh, in Cairns in northern Queensland where missionaries stay? And that was all we knew, and it was just a passing comment. Then in July, I was challenged by a sermon one morning on the rich young ruler who wasn't willing to let go. And I just happened to come home with this little document, the Wycliffe Beyond Words, on that day and on the front. I got home, started reading it straight away and God challenged me again. It said, when God asks you to do something, telling him he's mathematically challenged isn't a faith response. And resources are never the problem, but faith is. Well, we know God can do miracles. We considered that we had faith. And then I turned to the back page, and guess what? There's an advertisement for managers at Treetops Lodge. So God showed up. That same night, I got the same Bible reading at church about the rich young ruler and the same message. God wasn't letting up. So the challenges that day started us seriously thinking about where God wanted us. And we found out that the position was vacant at the end of 2007. Oh, sorry, at, at March 2007. But that didn't suit my timing. I thought, well, if he wants us there at the end of 2007, he'll provide someone in the meantime and he'll work all that out. But the timing of the vacancy challenged me in the area of my willingness to go according to my timing. Like, who moves cities when your youngest son is about to begin year 12? But God challenged me through Luke 17 verse 1. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come, but woe to him through who they come. Was I putting a stumbling block in the way of the best plans God had for my life? What a challenge. And God provided peace through that verse about leaving our family behind. And the rest is history. We asked my parents if they would look after our youngest son for 12 months and we knew they'd say yes, that was part of the problem. It wasn't asking the question, it was being willing to ask the question. In November 2006, we applied for the position and we went through the interview process and on the 1st of December, we became members of Wycliffe Bible Translators. And uh, we flew to Cairns to check out this Treetops Lodge and to check out the staff and they did likewise and they said, yep, we want you to come up. So we had to raise our support, which we began in the February of 2007, 2007 and we were there in the middle of April 2007. Um, so, God is amazing. And um, 
my favourite song when I was a child was, or when I became a Christian, was All to Jesus I Surrender. And um, as it turns out, and I've only just realised tonight, listening to Ross's testimony, that, um, yeah, he called me on that. And I can honestly say that at the moment where we are in our lives, our lives are in God's hands and that's, that's all that matters. What happens from here on, we're there to serve God as long as he wants us there. And um, it's, a real, it's a privilege. And, uh, but like I said, I haven't got a piece of paper to say that I can do anything. Um, but God still took us and used us. Um, in Christian camping, but also now in Wycliffe. Thank you. All right, I'm just going to um, do a bit of a wrap-up. I think we've heard a lot, we've experienced a lot. Thank you for entering into the great simulation. Thanks, Ever and Gary, for doing that and the testimonies. That was really wonderful to hear. I just want to, I'm aware of the time, I'm aware that you've been here um, for a little while. If you're willing to just sit for a little bit longer, I'd love to share with you a couple of things that God has placed on my heart to share with you. So, our gracious, merciful, compassionate God, whose loving kindness is eternal, gave to Peter the vision he did, in my belief, because he was inviting Peter to join him in going deeper into a lifestyle of adventure with him. Peter had a choice. He could have said no. God is, reminds me often, he's not a slave driver. He offered Peter an opportunity. The problem is for Peter that he lived in a culture that it said, you shall not eat all of those things that he was shown in that vision. And you shall not go into the home of a Gentile, much less eat with them. So Peter was presented with some problems. But problems are not problems for God. They're opportunities. God wouldn't have loved Peter any less had Peter said no in that moment. We're not loved because of what we do. We're loved because we're who we are. We're God's children. He loves us. The opportunity that God presented Peter with, in my belief, was a grace gift to him. I believe the Father knew that Peter would enthusiastically and passionately move deeper into a life of adventure with the Spirit of Jesus, once set free from his deep-seated cultural mindset. You know, think about... You know, I'd love you to think about... What, what is, how has God created you? What calling, what personality, what calling, what experiences has he given you? What calling has he placed in your heart? I challenge you to, you know, when you've got some space later on, ask him. You know, I remembered what um, Jeremiah said. The Lord gave me this message. I knew before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. What messages had Jeremiah been given that might have told him something very different? 
I'd like to ask you, what messages have you been given by the world, by well-meaning family, by people, sorry, people, never mind family, but hope it's not, um, but by people, by the world who perhaps even project their own stuff and inadvertently, unmeaning, they wouldn't have meant to, but put it onto you. What messages have they given you that may be something quite different to what God sees about you because he looks at our heart? I think you need to know the truth of how God sees each of you because it may be, in, even in pockets within your heart, different to how God sees you. You know, Peter knew, oh, I was going to say that, I was talking to Ross about this this afternoon and um, I said, you know, that's what God said about Jeremiah. And I said to Jesus, so what, what did you say about Peter? Who did you see Peter was? And the words, he was a groundbreaker, came to mind. And I thought, oh, so we explored it. And I thought, groundbreaker, you think about what Peter did in Deciding to obey God, deciding to believe him, trust him and obey him, he broke ground for all those, of even now, today and in the years, generations to come, he broke the ground for the rest of us to, to follow along, to actually go to the people throughout the world. You too. And, you know, Peter knew what we also now know that to love God is to obey him. We can say, yeah, yeah, we love God. How does you, how's your life? How is my life? How is, if I say I love you, Lord, but he asks me to do something and I go, no, 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 because I'm too busy with this or that or too unsure of myself, you know, to take a step forward is a very, very profoundly powerful thing. Who was, God, who was um, Peter's neighbour that day? You know, God calls us to love him with all of, his, with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbour. Who was his neighbour that day? It was Cornelius and all who were with Cornelius. And look what happened when Peter said yes and agreed with what the Holy Spirit was showing him. The Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and all who were listening to the good news of Jesus Christ which Peter shared with them that day. Not only that, but the Jewish believers who were with Peter that day, they saw what would have reminded them of what happened to themselves, to the apostles, to themselves on that day of Pentecost. Listen to this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in the one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting then what looked like flames of tongue or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And then you look over here, even as Peter was saying, so Peter was sharing the message that Jesus, um, the Spirit of Jesus had given him to share about the good news of Jesus Christ. And as he was saying these things, to these people, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. 
for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So Peter then said, well, who can object? Can anyone object to their being baptised now as they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So our God, our God invites us to enter into the divine dance that has always existed between the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit and go on mission with him to the world that he loves so much that he's already there waiting. He's already active. He's already at work. And he invites us because of his grace, because of a gift to us to get involved. We'd never go somewhere and we think, have we got a deal for you? We don't do that. We go as has already been shared, with a spirit of love as a gift from the Father. And we ourselves will be changed. You know, we don't go in, we are going to, we've got a deal for you and I'm going to come and and change you to be like me. Well, that would be just dumb. But we go with a gift from the Father's heart to share in a place where he's already active and waiting for us to step in to what is going on like that divine dance. So how is God at work in you? Does God need to set you free from the limitations of your present mindset? Does he need to dismantle present cultural strongholds which have served to limit you? And cultural can be a family thing. It it can be something that you have taken on that's not doesn't actually belong to you, but you believe it, so it's true for you. It doesn't necessarily mean a culture as in, well, Ross and I are going to go to Greece. We're going to live in Greece, and so that's a different culture. Well, of course it is, but I married Ross. We were both Victorians, both from Melbourne. I was brought up in Templestow, and Ross was brought up in Oak Park, which I'd never heard of. And it was like when we married, it was like two different cultures coming together. And we had to learn to live with each other. We had to learn to meet in the middle. But Jesus promised to be that bridge. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free to more deeply, more freely be able to serve God? To join with him where he's going? Because it takes freedom to be able to step away, like Rowan testified, like Ross testified. It takes freedom to be able to leave something that you have been doing for a long time or even a short time, but you believe that's right, and and step away from that. Maybe do a different, turn a different direction if that's where God is leading you. It's so much easier, in my opinion, to rest in the flow of the living water, the spirit of Jesus Christ, than to try to make our own way through life. It could be a bit scary because I think the Holy Spirit is far more committed to being with us and guiding us than we're committed to him being there because some of the things he asks us to do could be pretty radical. But in Ross's and my experience, you know, we've talked about this and we've come to the conclusion that we wouldn't change much maybe you've been held up um, by rascals in Papua New Guinea we might change that but even that's added stories to to our lives and you know so there's 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 wonder there's there's adventure to be had living a life surrendered to God so will you surrender 
to the spirit of our daddy, our father, your father of God today. There are people waiting to receive the message that the Holy Spirit has planted within you to share with the world. So my challenge to you today is, are you willing? It just takes a willing attitude to surrender to God. Are you willing? Are you willing? Think about Peter when you're thinking about being willing. The world might say of me, of, of someone else, well, you're not qualified, you haven't got this, this or this. Who, who says we're qualified or unqualified? Surely that's God's business. Surely he's the one who looks at us, knows what's in our hearts and knows all that he has to give us as gifts to take to a world in need of the good news of Jesus Christ. So can I pray? Will you pray along with me? Daddy, today I release your power into this room, into each person in Jesus' name. I pray for revelations today of how much you love each person here, how valuable they are to you because they and me, we're your children. And you invite us into the dance of relationship, of life with you. Of life, a life lived, surrendered to your, the lordship of Jesus Christ. I pray that each person here, like Peter did, gave us example of that. Won't rigidly adhere to his or own culture, beliefs, mindsets, but be willing to see life from your perspective and to say, yes, okay, I feel a bit, maybe a bit apprehensive. I mean, Peter said it how it was, Daddy. He, he told the Cornelius in his household, you know that my culture says that I shouldn't be here much less eat with you. But let me tell you about my Jesus. And Daddy, that's what it's all about, what we do. It's about Jesus. It has to be. It's all about Jesus because it's at the name of Jesus Christ that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that through faith in Jesus, that people are saved. So I pray for each person here, Daddy, that they will be able to let you speak to them one by one by one, day by day by day by day. Hear your voice. And have the courage to say, yes, Lord. Whether they are involved in actually going themselves, even to another culture overseas or here in Australia, or be involved in sending someone 
to release the resources that you have given them to send someone and in a sense to be going along with them. Help us to see life from your perspective and help us to be united as a church of people dedicated to proclaiming and declaring the good news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.